Greetings and welcome to the AVOD. I'm Count Vargelon. I'm DM. And we're joined here by our very <laughs> special superhero correspondent, Rob Rector. Yes, I am. I'd rather be referred to as Rob Paint Blob Rector because that is the that is the entity I'd wish to exist in this multiverse. Blob Rector. I, I Blob Rector. Yes. Oh my god. Paint Blob. Paint Blob Rector. Yes. Uh, I gotta say, biggest disappointment of that movie: spending no, nowhere near enough time in paint, paint Blob verse. Oh my god! I want to be a multicolored amoeba so bad. Yeah. Oh, that was fantastic. That was very fantastic. But I digress, uh, and I jump ahead, and I apologize. <laughs> no, no, 100% fine. Uh, we'll get there momentarily. First, we have some random crap to address. I, as usual, want to recommend a video game to some people. Uh, this is going to be a bit of a weird one. Like, I don't know if people are going to appreciate it or if it's just, like, for me. Because it's a game that's weird and frustrating and kind of a nightmare. But I'm finding it compelling all the same, even though I may never beat it. So if you just want a strange experience, check out The Cleaner. So uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Hotline Miami. No, but I am. In, I do know Cedric the Entertainer. Isn't that? Very wasn't... similar. Very similar characters in a lot right. of ways. Okay, okay. Yeah. perfect. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. Obscure 2000s reference to, I think that was the name of his movie, but yeah. never mind. No, I think you're right. Uh, so yes, uh, this movie, the, this game, oh my god, The Cleaner, it's a lot like Hotline Miami in that, you know, it's an instant death, try and die, restart levels over and over again, shooting game. The difference being that it's first person, and has a lot of platforming, and here's the strange, divisive, kind of compelling part, the levels are all way too long, like, if you make one mistake, make one fall, get shot by one bullet, you're dead, you have to start over. And the levels are, like, six to ten minutes long. So that's, I know, it's terribly designed. But at the same time, there is a compelling brutality to the combat that I find really intriguing. Like, it has a very addictive gameplay loop, even if it's way too difficult for its own good. So it just came out, there's plenty of time for them to patch and fix this thing, and I hope they do, because the aesthetics and the actual gameplay, like, you can turn on slow motion whenever you want for the fight scenes, right? So it's it's very intriguing, and I think it could be great, but, oh, God, do they have to dial back the difficulty a little. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Ten minutes is an eternity. Oh, I know. <laughs> to replay over and over again, that would be a nightmare. Exactly. All right. So, next up, I believe you watched a movie, DM. TV show. TV show, yes. Blob watched the movie. Blob watched the movie. That one's on me. So so I found the Dresden Files on TV. Aww. I love the Dresden (laughs) Files. Oh, my God. It is not good. Nope. A lot of fun, though. (laughs) Wow. And I, so I read some of the books. I, there was a point at which I just couldn't do it anymore because I wasn't really enjoying them. Right. Um. But there was this TV show that came out, so it's like, okay, I guess I'll give this a shot. Starring Paul Blackthorne, who has long since won the award of having just the best name. <laughs> and it's puzzling. So, like, the show isn't great. And then they get to this one episode, and it is markedly worse than the others. Oh, just no. In terms of its production quality. And also... 
the set is completely different. What? So I'm not, I don't understand what's going on here, like where this fits kind of in the timeline of the show, because his apartment slash office looks completely different. Murphy knows about magic in this one, and he's dating a reporter who hasn't shown up in any other episode. Weird. Wow. Yeah. So I have no idea what's, and I haven't watched past it because I fall asleep to this, and so it takes a long time for me to get through this series. <laughs> um, so it's just, it's very puzzling. Is this one of the, maybe it's one of those situations where this is like the original pilot, and then they did a bunch of retooling, but then they had to air the pilot? That's what I'm thinking, because wow. that episode is called Stormfront. It's based on Stormfront, which was the first book. And all of the other shows in the opening credits, it just says based on the Dresden Files. It doesn't oh. call out a particular book. So I think that might be the pilot. Okay, that would explain a lot. But it's interesting. at the same time, you're not introduced to the characters the same way you are in other episodes. I don't know. It's just, it's a well, weird famously, viewing experience. Yeah, like famously, the um, the show Criminal Minds Suspect Behavior, right? It aired its pilot as like its fourth or fifth episode. And so they had to awkwardly re-edit the episode and loop in a bunch of dialogue because originally that's the episode where the Janine Garofalo character was supposed to be first meeting everybody and joining the team. But right. now there's already been four episodes of them all working together, so they have to completely rearrange that episode. So it wouldn't shock me if that's the kind of thing that was happening yeah. here. But the suspect behavior had a backdoor pilot. It did. The Dresden Files didn't. So there's like, I don't know. It's just weird and not good. Oh. And I, I don't know if I'm enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> that's so brutal. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right. Well, hopefully we'll get some updates as you wrap up the o first and only season only of the Dresden Five. Right? right. Yes. Although had had James uh, Marsters been willing to be on that show, I feel like it would have run forever. But uh, he was not moving to Vancouver, and that was that. It's home in Toronto. Oh well, he wasn't moving to Toronto then, <laughs> and that's that. But the point is, he had a kid in school, and he's like, "I'm not going to move to you know Canada for half the year to shoot a TV show." Right. It's Although full again, stop. I think. This weird Stormfront episode, I don't think is shot in Toronto. The other ones are because that's that makes it more likely that this is the pilot. I think so yeah. because yeah. his office is clearly in the distillery, so <laughs> you can even see the Gooderman of Wart sign at one point. So, oh wow! Yeah. So okay. I, I think yeah, I think this was the pilot shot elsewhere. Okay. So, All right. Know. Well, it's still neat. Next up, I believe. Blob watched a movie? I did. I watched Robert Eggers' Conan the Barbarian. Oh, <laughs> no, wait. The, the Northman. As, as seen through the filter of an art house lens. Yes. Uh, wow. It was, uh, Robert Eggers' follow up to The Lighthouse. Um, it was as if uh, Tim Allen's grunt from Home Improvement got a feature length film. After. Oh my God. <laughs> Damn! I don't know anything but, about this movie. I haven't seen any trailers. Nothing. It is not. I I say that partially in jest because I enjoyed the shit out of this movie. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I had so much fun with it, but it is it is empty calories, and it's a little over two hours of empty calories. 
Um, it, it's just, I mean, it's a Robert Eggers film. So there are tons of, of alluring visuals. There's, you know, some mysticism thrown in, but make no mistake. This is all about, you know, manly men doing manly things and beating the snot out of each other at, in front of volcanoes and, you know, by in, in icy villages in, uh, you know, across the mountain landscapes. I mean, it is, it is nothing but revenge personified and it's supposed to be the based on the one of the inspirations for Hamlet. Uh, and you can follow that pretty, pretty easily. Um, See, you lost me there because I despise Hamlet. Yeah. Well, it's only one of them. So, but it, it's the whole, you know, seeking revenge for his father's murder at the hands of his uncle, blah, 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 blah. Oh, um, Sarsgaard is just, I mean, he just looks like pure rage in it and swims like Mark Spitz and just, you know, I mean, the, there's so little narrative to it. That's it. It's just pure vengeance. I mean, they can throw in, um, Oh, Willem Dafoe in there as like this mystic and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. That's, that means absolutely nothing to the main narrative to it. There's no irony. There's no nothing. Here's my question. That's my, like, that kind of manly men doing manly things. It, it, it dials back the homoeroticism of, of that. It's yeah. way oh. too bloody and violent and not, it doesn't have that sheen that 300 has on it. it no, is, I, I ask because 300 is like a dude movie for dudes that is yeah. kind of gay. Yeah. And women, every woman I know hates that movie because it's garbage. It's a garbage yeah. movie. It really is. <laughs> I'm sorry to say. No, I, I totally You don't have to be sorry. Hey, you're I never going to have to be sorry to, you know, talk crap about 300 in this I'm company. I'm just wondering don't if Jonathan's sort of like that. Like, it appeals to guys and women should just stay the hell away from it. Yeah. You know, Anya Taylor-Joy is in this, uh, but, uh I mean, she is superfluous. I mean, there's really... Um, she's not needed in this, that he is, he's driven by one, one thing alone and it's not love. So, um, you know, well, here's and, the important uh, question. What okay. percentage of this film does he spend shirtless? It, <laughs> at least 60% or higher. Okay. <laughs> you asked me that exact same question. <laughs> <laughs> that Carl Urban movie, which I don't remember. Yeah, I'm just very curious because it's like 100 shirtless. Okay, sixty or more. Got it. Sixty or more, more and and all worth it. You know, I mean, <laughs> well, just he put in the work famously. Like he no, did that, another one of those no. insane workout regimens for this, like you he did for Tarzan. I get it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, kidding me? You could wash clothes on his abs. It is unbelievable. <laughs> this guy is, you know, he's in amazing shape in here. And it's, yeah. it, it's, it's a beautiful film. It really is. I mean, it is just gorgeous. There's, it doesn't have the, the, the faux aesthetic as 300 where they're all in, you know, you can tell they're all in front of a green screen the whole time. Yeah. Like, when they are battling in front of, of flowing lava, like, it feels as though they could get singed at any given moment. I mean, oh. it is, yeah, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. It, but okay. that said, it's very empty. Yeah. It is just the visuals and it is just the action. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Well, I, I mean, I'm fine with that. Yeah. I just, yeah. We're not going to judge him. Don't expect anything more out of it though. <laughs> yes. Yes. Do not. And, and, and be prepared to stay a while. Like I said, two and a half, two, <laughs> 215, something like that. Okay. Nice. 
Yeah. All right. Moving on. I believe it's time for a quiz. Oh, Is everybody right. ready to get quizzed? Yes. Who <laughs> portrayed Sheriff Ebenezer Olison in 30 Days of Night? No, no idea. I don't know. Blank. Josh Hartnett. Oh. Yeah. Okay. All right. You say that like it's. Well I, I thought known. everybody remembered John Hartnett, the star of that oh. movie. I was wrong. All right. I remember Josh Hartnett. I remember the movie. I could not tell you his name to save my life. <laughs> Does protagonist Sherry Carson survive to the end of The Wizard of Gore? No. Nope. She does. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. With a title like that, I understand why you'd assume she wouldn't. It's Wizard of Gore, but no, she's fine. Yeah, she's fine. All right. What's uh, Judy? Okay. All right. Never mind. Go ahead. What nickname is Martin Matthias given by the disc jockey in the movie Martin? What is the serial killer name they call him when he keeps calling in to talk about his vampire stuff? Good God. We are digging deep in the trove for this one. He calls there to confess his crimes and talk about what it's like being a vampire. And so the DJ calls him. Starving Marvin. He calls him the count. He calls him the count. Oh, I was close. You were so close. Yeah, we're giving you half a point on that one. Uh, what is the name of Arthur Kipps's son in The Woman in Black? Oh, for Christ's sake. I don't know. God. I have seen two iterations of this. I've seen the play and the movie, and I don't know. (laughs) Okay. He's a little redheaded boy. I know that much. So just take a, take a shot at it, guys. Go for it. His name's uh, Arthur, and we need his son's name? Yep. Edward. Uh, I don't know. Um, Victor. Okay. You, you should have gone real basic. It was Joseph. Yeah. I feel like Edward's pretty basic. Yeah, but yeah. Joe is literally the most basic name. I, Joe I don't or John. think that's true, actually. Right. Victor <laughs> seems more time appropriate, but okay. Okay. Uh, what real life magician appeared as himself in the movie Terror Train? Okay, they'll tell you he wasn't playing himself, but he was absolutely playing himself. Come on. Was it Copperfield? David Copperfield? It was David Copperfield. Okay. Yeah, it was okay. David Copperfield. <laughs> One and a half. <laughs> I know, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, 80s, there's only like, it's like Gallagher or... <laughs> Gallagher know? a magician? I just smashed I don't know. I'm, no, <laughs> he's a stand-up comedian who also does prop comedy. Right. Uh, right. In Le Diabolique, what position does victim Michelle hold at the all-boys boarding school? Headmistress? <laughs> or nurse? I don't know. Well... It's a man, because it's the husband slash Caretaker. lover who gets murdered, so and he is the headmaster, so bravo. You got oh, the Michelle. point. See, I I understood Michelle to be a woman's name. Yes, but I was Texas. I was pronouncing it the French way because it's spelled the French way. Not Michael, Michelle. But yes. So there you go. You know what? You did respectively well respectably well. Like <laughs> given the half points and the just claiming points, we're gonna call that four out of six. Okay. <laughs> I'm happy with that. I'll take it. Next I up, still... it's time for a list. All right. So this week's list comes to us from Game Rant. And dot, it is the... Dot, pen... <laughs> dot co. Dot uk. Dot com. Okay. They right. paid for the dot com. Ooh. Uh, it is the 10 best movies about the multiverse. Wow, nice. Okay. Um, and I guess there, there, 
they have a score like 10 out of 10. So I guess we can't, we're starting with the best. I guess, yeah. Because the one that's last on this list is pretty good. I mean, whatever, we'll get there. Okay, so 10 out of 10, Avengers Endgame. Uh, right away, I've got a problem here. <laughs> is Avengers better... Endgame about the multiverse? I mean... I feel like it isn't. It's about time travel. Yeah. They never yeah. meet any alternate versions of any characters. So I'm pretty sure Avengers Endgame isn't about the multiverse. Right? It says here it handles multiverse stories. Heroes what? in a parallel universe. No, it doesn't. They borrow all the Infinity Stones. I'm just, I'm just telling you what it says. I'm reading okay. it to you. Wow. Um, so okay, yeah, that not is off to a great start. not off to a great start here, guys. Yeah. But okay, let's go. Okay, nine out of ten. Spider-Man: No Way Home. Yeah. yeah. Now, see, that is about the multiverse. Yeah. I would say it was higher up there, but you know. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fantastic. I mean, it might not be into the Spider-Verse, but it's an amazing yeah. multiverse movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, because it's all about seeing the various things that he... It's all about Tom Holland looking yeah. at these other Spider-Men and seeing what could have happened to him and what he might end up becoming. Like, yep. yeah, like that's kind of a, the definition of a multiverse story. All right, next. Okay, number eight, or I got eight out of ten, I suppose... <laughs> Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. I think it's actually better than... I mean, I really loved No Way Home, but Into the Spider-Verse is so friggin' good. Oh, yeah. I think it's the better movie. I think it's it's better. Yeah. What's higher than this on the list, right? Yeah, seriously. Well, again, I think we're counting... I think we started at the highest. But that can't be right, because there's literally not a multiverse in... I don't know. I'm just Avengers because it Endgame. says eight out of ten. So does it score an eight out of ten, or is it just eight out of ten on the list? Yeah, this is I a badly arranged list. How this works? Right? Yeah, they really needed to set some terms at the start of this list. Anyway, okay, on we go. Okay, seven out of ten. <laughs> Star Trek 2009. Uh, nope, time travel movie. Right? And I mean, they later said, because people were so pissed off at them erasing all of Star Trek, they then said it created a multiverse, hence the whole Kelvin timeline nonsense. But at the time, it was not intended to be about a multiverse. They just wanted to erase all continuity and start over. And they didn't realize how much that was going to piss off everyone. Okay, so yeah, the this list is really not getting much of what multiverses are about. I think, is I, it? Yeah, I was gonna say I think it should say that have the multiverse mentioned within or something. <laughs> Even though okay, that film again does not. Number yeah, six true. or six out of ten, coherence. Yeah. I have not seen coherence. I haven't seen this either. Okay. Rob, any any idea what coherence no. is? So no. apparently there are people at a dinner party. And a comet passes by overhead, and it creates, I guess, another reality. Okay. Where they're all at a different dinner party? I don't know. They, I guess then they have to kill their doppelgangers. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, like watch it, yeah. And it looks like, uh, what's his face is in it? You know, that guy. 
Oh, that guy. I love that guy. I love his Nicholas stuff. Brandon. I all his albums. <laughs> okay, there you go. Okay, five out of ten. We're halfway through the list, I guess. Mr. <laughs> Nobody. What's this? Kevin Costner? Hmm? Uh, it says here, it's more art house than sci-fi, but Mr. Nobody fits the multiverse subgenre as it's all about the butterfly effect. Well, Ooh. butterfly effect doesn't... Really nope, it's not a multiverse, stuff. it's changing the past. Um, it says here, it's hard to keep track of everything happening in the movie. The gist is that the last mortal man recalls his life, but makes it seem like he didn't choose a path to maintain all the possibilities of alternate realities. What? I already don't understand. That is a very confusing oh. synopsis. This yeah. was this I remember this one. This was uh, uh Morbius was in this one, right? Tara Leto was in this. Uh that's yeah, it looks like him. Yeah. Ooh. Oh my god, yeah. All right. It's almost never a good sign. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I uh, thought it had to do with time travel, but that, okay. Oh, well, no. no, butterfly effect. It is about time travel. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah, not uh, about multiverses. Four. I thought Butterfly Effect was more like chaos theory. And not well, no, but I mean, yes, the the actual Butterfly Effect is about chaos theory, but people use it because of the movie The Butterfly Effect and the, uh, the short story A Sound of Thunder, which really should be called The Butterfly Effect. They use it to explain the changes you wreak on reality when you make a small change in the past, it becomes a giant change in the future. The term The Butterfly Effect comes, even though it has been applied to uh, chaos theory, it was originated in the story of Sound of Thunder because a man literally steps on a butterfly 65 million years ago. When he get back, uh, gets back to the future, English is different, and a fascist has just become president of the United States because he that stepped on a butterfly. Homer Simpson. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, and yes. Time and Punishment was literally yes, an adaptation <laughs> of that short story. Okay, I have. So many issues with your description of what butterfly effect means, but we're not going to get into it. Okay. <laughs> Number four, sliding doors. That kind of is about a multiverse because they're showing you two different versions of what could have happened. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cute. Okay. There you three, go. source code, which I haven't seen and I think I want to. Uh, I have. It is about a multiverse. Uh, it's not, it's kind of, uh, I wouldn't say it's a great movie, but I can say it is definitely about a multiverse. So there so you go. So it's not time travel. He does, cause I thought he had to keep going back in time to stop a bomb, bomb from exploding. Well, no, what he's told is that he's going back in time to see what happens, but he's actually being sent to other dimensions that are slightly time dilated from ours and jumping into people on that and hoping he can find out what happened. Oh, okay. Yeah, but he yeah. he later yeah. in the movie finds out he's actually jumping into somebody's body in another dimension over and over and over again. Got it. But he thinks it's he's good. traveling through time. It's okay. Yeah. It's it's no moon, but it's it's a it's worthy yeah. yeah, it is it is totally worth seeing. And I have okay. just spoiled the ending of the movie. Sorry about that. Thanks. The fun is the journey, though. The fun is the journey. <laughs> it's Trust the friends me we make along the way. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> The real right, multiverse was the friends we made along oh, the way. Oh, God. <laughs> I deserve to suffer for that one. All right, next up. Number two, the one. <laughs> that's funny. Okay, well, yeah. That's the best <laughs> movie about the multiverse. Sorry, Spider-Verse. Yep. 
we still have access to the one. We didn't watch we are it totally. the show, right? We just, oh, no, we just, we just watched it. it when it first came out. Yeah, we love that. Yeah. Okay, we should watch it again. We're totally going to cover this for the show. So good. Uh, okay, number one, can you guess? I'll just try to guess. Let's see what happens. Ooh, all right, number one, best thing about the multiverse. Covered everything uh, else. Oh, wait, I know. Obviously, um, Waxwork 2. <laughs> it's the best movie ever about the multiverse. Problem solved. Is it a multiverse? Yeah, because they, they, it's called Lost in Time, but she's clearly going to other dimensions. Is she, or is she just going to other worlds that exist in our universe? Oh, I don't think it's other worlds. It's you know what? That's another thing we're going to revisit, so we'll just we'll figure this out when we revisit it. <laughs> like, we're absolutely watching this again. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Waxwork 2, so, Lost in Time? Wait, let me... Is... Would... I'm trying to figure out the the logistics of this. Would Donnie Darko be considered... Um, okay, you don't know this, but we do not talk about that movie yeah, on this uh, podcast. It's a movie okay. that is uh, verboten to bring up on this podcast. <laughs> yes. It's just, that's just uh, a fact. Is Ronnie Rarco. <laughs> now, Ronnie Rarco, on the other hand, we are happy to talk about. <laughs> and it is about the multiverse. To, to be about much of anything at all. Okay. Oh, my God. We're, we're not fans and we'll just leave it there. All right. Oh, I, okay. <laughs> so number right. one is. Number one is Justice League Crisis on Two Earths. What? Jesus Christ. I'm not saying it's not a perfectly fine adaptation of that, but number one movie about the multiverse? Mm-hmm. Come on. That's why I think this is, this list is backwards. One out of ten is. The worst movie about the, the multiverse. Yeah, yes. but for that to be true again, like they would have had to think the best one was a movie that has no multiverses in it. I'm, I'm Remind like, me though, didn't I thought they started talking about it when they went into uh when they went into the one room in Happy Death Day to You, the second one. We they talking? Well, wait, 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 we still we haven't, haven't seen, seen Death Day to You. No, shush, 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 shush. <laughs> uh, so no, no spoilers. Uh, that's I something we'll be covering with Waxwork 2 soon enough. <laughs> okay. Literally right. the best uh, pair up ever. <laughs> Happy Death Day to you and Waxwork and 2 Waxwork Lost in Time. I don't know how I decided this, but this is now the best uh, oh double show we're ever going to do. Is awesome. All right. Next up. <laughs> All right, no, that's it. it. Okay. Well, multiverses are interesting because, you know, there are, you can literally do anything with it, which is why I kind of hope more horror movies use that as a central plot device. I wonder, is that something that's going to be happening? Well, I would certainly hope so, but I can't say for sure because this week's upcoming horror movie is called Totally Killer and it's about time travel. Oh, well, you know what? Next best thing. Because last I heard, time travel and the multiverse were the same thing. They're synonymous! <laughs> right. According to Sid Navidad, I'm sorry if I mispronounced your last name there, who wrote that list we just did. Yeah. Um, okay, totally killer. The film follows Jamie, whose mom, Pam, is terrorized by the resurgence of the Sweet 16 killer, Ooh. a masked maniac that slaughtered a group of teenage girls in the 1980s. With the help of her friend Amelia, Jamie travels back in time to 1987 and teens up with a teen version of her mom to try and stop the killer. I need to see this movie. Yeah, when is do, this happening out? Lachlan Monroe is in it. Yes. Oh, <laughs> we love us some Lachlan Monroe. We sure do. 
Uh, big fan here on the channel, Blockland Monroe. Not enough to watch, not enough to watch Riverdale, but like almost enough to watch Riverdale. <laughs> So wow. this is in production, release date, TBD. <laughs> in theaters, this is a Blumhouse nice. movie, which, like, I don't know. Yeah, what I mean, Final, uh, what do you call it? Final Girls was good. And it's basically the same premise. That's except true. Final Girls without is amazing. The, That's yeah. a love letter. Exactly. Whereas this is, what if it was instead of about, you know, uh, her getting in touch with her mother via the movie her mother was in, her mother was really in a slasher situation. It's yes. basically the same idea, but, you know, in a, in a, taking it straight instead of having the meta aspect. So I'm very intrigued of what playing Final Girls straight would be instead. So I'm totally excited. Can't wait to hear for a release date. I mean, Blumhouse, they've been hitting this. There's yep. plenty of Blumhouse movies we've liked. Plenty of Blumhouse movies we've absolutely despised. Uh, you know, but like when you throw enough stuff at the wall, you're going to have something hit. And so hopefully this is one of the hits because I love that premise. Yeah. All right. I think that means it's time for us to talk about the movie we actually covered this week. I guess so. <laughs> and I definitely know what that movie is. And we'll say the title now. It's Doctor <laughs> Strange. We watched Doctor Strange. And the Multiverse of Madness. Ooh, in the Multiverse of Madness. I thought it was and the Multiverse. No, it's in the... Really? You know. Yep. Oh. Anyway, yeah, he's whatever. in the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Here's okay. your synopsis. Doctor Strange travels the Multiverse to find a way to prevent Scarlet Witch from stealing her own kids. <laughs> the best I can do. Oh, you know, that's, that's what the movie's about. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. So... I found out something, a funny piece of trivia about the, uh, the movie that made me super excited. And it's that once again, with so many of these movies, they start shooting without a script, obviously. Uh, they do not have a locked script for that so is many a of these movies. Problem for the movie. It is a problem for the As movie. If there was every movie that needed a script. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, but one of my favorite things about this movie is how crazy the ending is. The ending is just bonkers, and it's Sam Raimi bonkers, it which is. I loved. Yep. All thanks and, to Sam Raimi. I was going to well, say, if, if there ever was one that didn't have a script, thank God they had him at the helm. And But that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. they didn't want him to get all Sam Raimi with this, but because they weren't able to agree on a script, by the time it came to, like, shoot the ending and reshoot and create a whole new uh extra finale, because all the stuff with... His doppelganger in his evil doppelganger that he zombie confronts doc. the multiverse. Uh, well, no, not the zombie, the one before that, the oh, evil, yes. the serial Tony's killer Hill. doctor, yeah. right? All of that was like reshoots because they didn't have a strong enough ending. Uh, and so like the big thing with the zombie and the stuff with the, that doctor, that's all reshoots. And basically they just got tired of telling Sam Raimi not to do Sam Raimi stuff and you know, they didn't have a better idea, so they just let him get all Sam Raimi with it at the end. And I think, as a consequence, that's the best part of the movie. Yeah. They are better because of it, for sure. Oh, yeah. Just just let him do his thing, and we're going to have a fun ride. And we have a fun ride. We do. It's just unfortunate that the rest of the movie... Yeah. It's a bit of a slog getting there. Because if you'd had a proper script... Yeah. 
at the start, then maybe you could have developed the story a little bit better because you sort of lurch around from moment to moment. Yeah. Uh, and America's power is not ill-defined, but you never see her grow into it or learn how to use it properly. And I think like that's a really important part of the story. <laughs> Well, I know. I just love that, like, her arc is, I don't know how my, how to use my power. And then Doctor Strange, uh, is like, yeah, you do. And she's like, right, you're right, I do. Well, quite an arc you've got there, America. But, I mean. Are you sure you don't know how to use your power? You know what? No one's ever asked me that before. Turns out I do. Okay. You definitely, it would benefit anyone walking into this to at least see if not, what if? Definitely uh, WandaVision. Yeah. And probably yeah. far from home. This is incoherent if you haven't seen WandaVision. I haven't seen WandaVision. Oh, so this must have been incoherent to you. No, it yeah. wasn't because I'm not an idiot. Okay. But at the same time, right. I understood that helps. I was missing part of the story because I hadn't seen WandaVision. Like, I yeah. was able to put that to together. Seen that. I mean, yeah. I think it becomes a richer, more fuller film Absolutely. having seen that. <laughs> Oh yeah, like uh, her entire character arc into turning yeah. into a villain is the show WandaVision. Yeah. If you if your last vision of her was was during Avengers, then you're like, what the hell happened to her? Who who shit in her Cheerios? You know, I mean, it, yeah. she's she's a completely different character here. But yeah. yeah, but that eight episodes of WandaVision is the bridge between Avengers yep. Endgame and this movie. And it's all about her character arc and getting her to the point where, well, now she's a supervillain. No, but, like, whatever problems I might have had with her character, I had nothing to do with the fact that I missed out on something in WandaVision. Because I understand that she was a mother who lost her kids. And that's going to yeah. fuck you up, no matter how your kids were created or how you lost them. Or, so, or you even had kids to begin with. Well, exactly. <laughs> yes. So, like... I get it, and I'm on board with an evil Scarlet Witch. That's not a leap for me, and I don't <laughs> think it's really that much of a leap for anyone. No. Um, the problem that I have with her is that, I don't know, I guess she's just not, she's not doing enough, I felt. Okay. Like, I, just, I don't know, <laughs> she could have been, she could have been more engaged with her own story, maybe, I don't know, and she only... She only goes into that one universe to take over that one woman. And the whole thing about, like, the dreamwalking, like, that kind of came out of nowhere. And, again, like, for lack of a script, you just have this stuff that sort of happens in the movie. You're like, oh, okay, I guess we're doing this now. And I paid my ticket, so I'm along for the ride. Um, yeah, and I did like – like, this isn't to suggest I didn't enjoy the film. I did like it. The person I saw it with did not enjoy the movie. Oh, um, but for other reasons. Um, but I just like, at the end of the day, I felt like it really was lacking something. And see, I think I liked it for the exact same reasons <laughs> in that, <laughs> in that I had a fear of it being a multiverse extravaganza, especially considering it was in the title that they were going to get lost in all of these uh, Earth 838, 8, you know, 613, all the different Earths. And and it, aside from the one where they, you know, take the tumble through the different multiverses, it was a pretty, it stayed pretty tight to to two 
different versions of a reality. They only go to three realities in the movie. Really. Right. And two of which are really the main focus. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the third is, is there to kind of bookend things, but yeah, but the majority of it stayed tight to that. And I actually liked it because of that, because it didn't feel like it became overwhelming and allowed Raimi to let his freak flag fly. You know, it, it allowed him to kind of dabble in, in the very Raimi-esque uh, elements that we see of the cape that's made of skeleton arms or oh the- my god i love that yeah. skeleton no, arm and cape. all that stuff was great i'm like show me more of that because <laughs> uh, yeah. it just it went by so quickly um there was something else i was gonna point oh yeah and then but like you know letting Raimi do his Raimi thing and Raimi it up when and i don't know if this is a Raimi issue or if this is a benedict cumberbatch issue or some like decision made by committee but when he becomes when he takes over the dead body the dead doctor strange he started he moved like a zombie for a little bit and it was all very weird and then he started just moving around like a normal person like no stick with the weird zombie movement stuff this is a dead body yeah it was very visually interesting and that was a lot of fun to watch and actually like so i'm bummed that it just didn't you didn't get that for the whole time that he was on screen but i love the fact that he delivered like like the most heartfelt monologue of the entire film was delivered by a guy missing half his face (laughs) well and i mean by the way how did how on earth did sam raimi get away with being like all right at this point he's going to be a zombie now Here's a drawing of what evil Ash looked like in right. Army of Darkness. Right. I want you to base the makeup on this. Yeah. How did he get away with that? But there's so much. And again, it goes back to all the different things that Raimi added. Like, you know, we could say Book of the Dead. We could use the. Oh, my the, God. Yeah. All the of ne- those All things. being focused upon their Necronomicon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But again, I was, I was still like. And then where was that weird book? And why is all this shit carved on the mountainside? Like, where does that come from? Who put it there? Why does that statue look like Scarlet Witch? Like, none of this stuff is ever, nobody like asks any questions about it. And I just, I want more. He created this amazing world with all this cool stuff in it. Yeah. A film, yeah, yeah, and you're right. It's a film that didn't care enough about explaining its world and why it was interesting, but it's like any movie that literally has a, like, Oh, we need to get into what these characters' motivation is. What if they step on a square and a video of their video of their motivation plays? Mm, right. Like, that's a little right. lazy. <laughs> that's, I feel like that's a little lazy. Yeah, but they're in a they're in an alternate dimension where people, you know, really want a technology that shows your darkest secret. No, that was just a memory exposition. square. It wasn't specifically your deepest, darkest secrets or desires. It's just your fucking memories. It's like <laughs> This is what's at the front of her mind all the friggin' time. I don't well, think Well, no, but that's so. what I'm wondering. Does it just do whatever you're thinking of in that moment? Or is it specifically coded to do your darkest memory? That seems like because... a weird thing to have on a public street. Which is my say, point. Downtown and you're sitting there spanking. <laughs> the, I know. Like, <laughs> here's the dark piece of my history that motivates all of my actions. No. First of all, no, like... Even in a movie, nobody should be that one note. It's real. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. And by the way, um, I don't know if it was Sam Raimi just not 
caring about like the, the Christine stuff and the romance stuff. But like, there's a point in this movie where Sam Raimi or somebody is actively trying to sabotage the movie. And I don't know if you both noticed it, but at the scene in the bar where like they're talking about their relationship at the wedding, right? right? They're at the wedding at standing at the bar talking about the relationship and it's, it's, you know, lots of just close-ups back and forth, but there's a bunch of shots where she's at the left of the frame, he's at the right, right of the frame, or vice versa. And for all of those shots... There's someone in the deep, deep background that you're not trying to Not just in the deep background. You can't figure out what he's doing. Yes. No, no, it's so much worse. They got a guy in the middle of frame in the deep background in the most colorful and yeah. garish yes. suit imaginable. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's like, you and have he, to look at this guy. I and Sam Raimi is looking at the camera a couple times too, isn't he? I know! Yes. Like, yes. is this a clue? Is this, is this meaning no. something? And it's like, nope, no, Sam Raimi just actively hates this character romance stuff and he's trying to sabotage it. Well, here's the thing. They did Rachel McAdams dirty in this movie. Yeah. She looks terrible. I don't know where they dug up her costumes, but it's some of the, <laughs> Worst costume design. It's a the least wedding flattering dress. costumes that anyone has ever worn. That god-awful uniform thing she wears in that yep. other dimension. dimension. In it A38. Is, her hair looks awful. It yep. is bad. Like, they went out of their way to make, to her, make her look, look bad. They did. And I and don't know why. It is such an insult. <laughs> it is such a weird choice. That said, yes, I totally agree with that. But I think with Doctor Strange himself... I don't know how you all felt about the the first one, but it I, to me it was a it was passable, but really uh, an Iron Man clone. And here yeah. he goes like he shows such growth in this with his various characterizations, with his even with his zombie uh, uh, Strange in there too. But he goes from just being this you know conceited, cocky physician to a uh, you know, to someone who's bowing before Wong because he knows his place, he's fixing the watch. I mean, he really does demonstrate that he needs to to grow personally to protect this earth that he's on. And I just I really like that character arc. It made him much more engaging in this film than he was in the first one or in any incarn you know incarnation. Oh yeah, him. I would agree with you that he's he's a much more interesting character by the end of this one than he was in the first one. Yeah, absolutely. Except yeah. for the, the mid credit scene, which I think was a total. What pee, was uh, that exactly? That was his wife. Um, will be his wife in another dimension. Uh, I forget her name. It but, looks okay. like they're going to the dark dimension. Yeah. yeah like, see, it cut open like the thing, and I'm like, is that where yeah. they fought Dormammu? They, yeah, it and is. It sucks because exactly. it completely undermined, I guess we should say spoilers, but it completely undermined the ending the, of the movie fantastically bleak ending of the movie where he walks into town and all of a sudden his third eye opens and he screams on the street and that, and then he walks out of us. I guess this is very same building in the very same universe fine. <laughs> and does it all over again. Yeah. Exactly. And it's so, it's so strange because like the first one, we are like, Oh my God, reading from the dark hole is, is going to cause huge problems for him with, you know, demo, demonic yeah. possession and his dark side. And will he become that guy? And then right. mid credit scene. Okay. It's eight months later. He figured all that out. Now he's just <laughs> fine. Oh, like, well. what? Well, Did you just jump over a whole movie's worth exactly. of development? <laughs> Same thing. There's a throwaway line with Mordo because at the end of Doctor Strange, we see Mordo show up and he kills David Pangborn. He's like, there are too many wizards. And then 
in this movie, Dr. Shin's like, oh, yeah, that's Marta. You really fucking hated me for a while there. You hated all this as well. I'm like, we didn't see that movie, guy. <laughs> yeah. He devoted his life to trying to destroy me. Again. And I'm like, really? Right, I feel like you left a lot off camera here. So one of my favorite scenes in this, though, is when we get introduced to the Illuminati, which is a different yeah. Illuminati than the comics, because Tony Stark was also, or Iron Man was in the, the original yeah. Illuminati. But with Reed Richards, our third Reed Richards now that we have, John Krasinski, who was, uh, they did that online petition to, to try and make him, you know, the, the next Mr. Fantastic. Oh, what and a bad idea that would be. It was beautiful. They have him in there and he gives this solemn, you've got to stop this. And, da, 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 da. and within minutes of being on screen, they pop him like a pimple. His head just it, that was brutal. That it was light. so brutal. Oh my god! And was, yet, at the same time, I was so relieved to yes. not have to watch John Krasinski be <laughs> Mister Fantastic anymore. Exactly. I'm like, oh, exactly. thank God, that's over, and we never have to put up with that again. Yes. Yes. Oh, that was, was a bad like, idea. Big a big f you to to all the Marvel fanboys out there. Yeah, I was like, very distracted because. That was in the British Museum, and I've been to that place, and I have photos of it, so it just took me out of the movie for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, and I'm like, so wait, and they're not really doing right by Mr. Fantastic, so the smartest man in the universe is seeing uh, a monstrous witch who everyone knows is insanely powerful, and his response is, I better try to punch this lady. What? Exactly. He's thinking with his fists. Like he's he's Mr. Fantastic. So oh god! Invested in Fantastic Four, I don't like them, so I don't care. Well, but still, that's a terrible way to go. That it's a terrible said. way to go. Is oh, my point? God, it's horrible. Yeah, it was a real nightmare scene. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it was it was dramatic, and as you say, how quickly they <laughs> get their way out of having John Krasinski Mr. be Mr. Uh, Fantastic. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Oh, yeah. As old Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. But it was yeah. just filled with all of those, those shots that, that, and I know we're, we're focusing on the rainy part, but that's, I just watched Drag Me to Hell recently, just the other night, and, you know, all the spinning zooms and the, you know, the close-ups, and then to have the They cameo. did an iris in as well. I love uh-huh. that there was an iris in. But it reminded me of, I know last week we talked about, uh, uh Alex Proyas as the crow and yep. how much that gets overlooked, but it reminded me too, this one of, Dark Man and just how criminally overlooked that is and oh, how God, yeah. so ahead of its time it was yeah. and how you could see if, if given the made in the current circumstances, what he could have done with something like that. Well, it's so like Dark Man and the Crow are out there inventing the language of superhero cinema. Right. And just being completely forgotten about. Yeah. Yeah. It really afterwards. is a shame. Yeah. And it's crazy, but I love in this movie where he's like, I might be doing, I might be forced to be doing a Marvel movie, right? And I may not want to do a Marvel movie. And it's like, I understand. And they can, they can force me to have all of these characters and all these costumes and all this plotting and all this exposition, but they can't stop me from tilting the camera 15 degrees whenever I damn well please. Or collaborating with, uh, with, uh, Danny Elfman and creating a battle with musical notes. Holy yeah. hell. Okay, so here we go. 
Yeah, I just heard about this yesterday. No, 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 no. I don't know what you're going to say. What I'm going to okay. say is that, like, the battle with musical notes I thought was great, but it wasn't yeah. earned because that soundtrack is terrible. It is oh, okay. so loud and noisy, okay. not discordant, but there's nothing. There's, there are no melodies. There's no leitmotif. There's nothing to pick out. Yeah, there's and just it, random notes line, being flung, carry flung you at each other. From one scene into the next and from one part of the movie. Like, it is a bad soundtrack. The only recognizable part even is when Professor X shows up. For just a when he's moment. in the and chair was, from the, he's in the chair from the cartoon and, know, and they play and the theme from the so cartoon. Friggin' good. Yeah. That was such a wonderful moment. What a great surprise. Yeah. Um, and like, just like really kind of like resonates with you emotionally because you recognize the music, you recognize the chair that he's in, yeah. you recognize Patrick Stewart. But for the rest of the movie, you just had all of this really loud noise and then you get this like music note fight and it just, it felt like it wasn't earned because there's nothing in that score to suggest that you're going to have this amazing battle with great music and it's going to be recognizable to you now because of everything you've heard up to yeah. this point. Let's see, just say mind, that this is, it's 30 years later and this is not the Danny Elfman who is capable of making the March of the Dead from Army of Darkness anymore. This yeah. is a Danny Elfman who is very much just doing a soundtrack to the specifications of what Marvel wants out of its soundtracks. Well, I think it felt to me like he just handed it over to Elfman and said, okay, look, you have one one scene in which you can just let it rip and you just go ahead and make as much noise as possible, <laughs> just as I am going to give you a Dutch tilt, you know, camera angle for it, but, and, and just let him go run wild on it. So yes, did it, did it mesh with the rest of it sonically? No, but God damn, it was fun. Oh, totally I will say that yeah. now here's the, the slightly scandalous thing. Okay. So what happened was none of that, like that was all reshoots. That was yep. done last fall. A, a good amount of this movie was reshoots. Like a non-insignificant <laughs> amount of this movie was reshoots. But anyway. So that was a reshoot that was done like last August or September. And there was a bit of a scandal last week after the movie came out because a guy last summer released the first footage of his un- upcoming indie video game where the entire thing is fight scenes involving notes getting thrown back and forth at people and appearing on staffs of music and then the staff of music with notes on it flying at people and wrapping around them. And everyone's like, oh, wow. So, like, exactly. And it went hugely viral last summer. And then, like, six weeks later, they're shooting a fight scene where all of the stuff from that video came. Oh, no. Yeah. So, it was not a good look. I felt like it was right out of Sorcerer's Apprentice kind of, you know, it felt like Fantasia kind yeah. of uh, vibes from it. But that's that's a shame to hear that. I didn't yeah, know that. it's not ideal. Yeah, uh, that's bummer. a bummer. It's a bit of a, sca- yeah. a, bit of a scandal. What else is a bummer? That evil Doctor Strange wasn't yeah. British. Wasn't yeah. British. Why that seemed like an oversight. Yeah. <laughs> Let him do a different <laughs> accent. Let him play yeah. with it a little, you know? Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been nice. Because, uh, yeah, we had three doctor, different Doctor Strange, and they all had the exact same accent. Yeah. yeah. Like, maybe, yeah, maybe let him be oh, British for one of them. Totally bitch and ponytail. 
That's true. He did have a bitch and ponytail. <laughs> the source of his power, don't you know? Right? Well, no, and I, and that one also, like, actually dressed like the other magicians at the places where he studied. You know? <laughs> like, right, instead of having right. his own custom costume, he's like, no, he actually just dresses like a high-ranking guy from the monastery where he learned how to do martial arts magic. You know? So I thought that was a nice touch. And speaking of magic, I did like the fact they kind of, they broadened the, uh, screen time of uh, his cloak of levitation and gave it uh gave it some some pretty you know fun tasks throughout i mean it wasn't just there for quick comedic purposes they actually it actually had a had an arc to it kind of yeah he had a lot <laughs> going like on that this he time did. it could yeah. camouflage itself as a scar yeah, yeah that was a nice touch he, he faced some mortal danger there, had some yep. wounds, That's you know. Right. Had he got cut up, he had to get healed by having a piece of the the yeah. adaptive fabric that Mr. Fantastic's uniform is made out of right. sewn into right. it. Right. Yeah, it's a no, nice everybody touch. likes the cloak. It's nice to see the cloak get its due. Yeah. It, it is. It's, it's a fun like character that, that everyone likes. this summer. Cloak. Yes. <laughs> cloak gets its own franchise. <laughs> Honestly, we'd all be there for that. You know we would. Uh, oh, man. But, yeah, like, overall, it's it's a very messy film. And all of these movies have second act problems. But this, you know, was, like, worse than most because, like, how do I put well, this? The, I don't know like, once they, Really? Because I thought all of the stuff waited. I thought the stuff waiting for, like, we all know he's going to go to the thing and meet the Illuminati. And it's like the amount of like time they spend waiting for that to happen. And then she's going to show up and kill everybody. Like they, it's just so delayed and so drawn out. And I'm like, maybe just make an a hundred minute movie and tighten this up guys. Yeah. Yeah. I, see, I thought that the, the, the final that acts or the final parts to it were actually the strongest. And yeah. that, that in reflection, so it wasn't really the worst part of it. That was actually the strongest, but it made the other parts seem a little flabby. So I, I thought this is one of the few instances in which the momentum really felt like it picked up and went to a a stronger conclusion than we're used to in here. Like WandaVision is it's my main beef with that is that it is what an incredible wind up and then it ends up in a CGI or yeah. at the end where Scarlet Witch is, you know, is battling in the air through, you know, <laughs> through suburbia. So, yeah, by comparison, this but, has a much stronger ending and one that is much more. And they found a way to make the ending just 100 percent focused on the character's journey and their like getting to an emotional destination, which I really liked that about the ending. Right. Yeah. Because it is about her. I mean, it's it's funny. Uh, if you look at the like emotional arc of the story, it's the emotional arc of a villain realizing that she's the bad guy. Yeah. Like it's about her losing her illusion that anything she's doing is justified. Kind of like what Batman should have done in the Batman, but I, yeah. I, I digress. <laughs> We're not here to talk about Batman. We already <laughs> talked about the Batman. <laughs> No, I, I thought that was definitely an interesting part. Yeah. Like, I really did. It was, I, I think, pretty darn impressive. Yeah. Yeah. It was It was certainly a, a lot more fun than the first Doctor Strange, and I would say it was 
Oh, I don't know. I really love the first Doctor Strange. It was a magical adventure. It was exactly what I wanted yeah. from that movie. I had a great time. I didn't think it was fantastic, but it did have uh, something something that was fantastic, which Mads is how Mikkelsen. delightful Mads Mikkelsen is in that movie. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> He is he is so wonderful in that movie. Uh, he is having a great time. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like yeah. I think he's responsible for like sixty percent of the fun in that movie. Whereas this one is not about fun at all. No. No. Yeah. Well, yeah. Is, it could have been because there are a few good lines. Yeah. Right. And Bruce Campbell shows. Oh no! Up. The Bruce Campbell Bruce Campbell cameo is amazing. But even then, when he's punching himself, it's like. You have a really great opportunity here to just call back to Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two, where you just—it's the one hand that's possessed. Yeah, but I know. It's the re- it was. I don't understand why they made that mistake. Where it's right? like, I'll, it's I'll really just obvious. make his make it so his hands attacking him, but instead, yeah. no, it's just making so he's beating himself up. Oh. No, but he did at the very, very final uh, coda of the film. Yes, it, it so. finally wraps up. Yes. Yeah, and he says, "I find you know, I, I've, it's I've over. stopped you, it's whatever." Stopped. He's yeah, saying. it's, it's still, finally like, just, over. Again, like a, a nice moment there for yeah. the huge nerds in the audience. Yeah. You, yeah. <laughs> we all know who we're talking about. Don't worry. But yeah, to make it so instead of he has to beat himself up, make it so his hand is out to get him for the next two weeks. Yeah. And then just have him do the classic Bruce Campbell fighting with his hand stuff instead of just beating himself up. Because we I know we know you're were. referencing Evil Dead 2, so just go all the way with it. Just do it, yeah. Did yeah. you? I thought sure he was going to try to to plunge it into like a deep fryer. Hot dog water. I know yes. the hot dog cooking oh, water. You're in his pizza right? pots. Pizza yeah. pots. That's yeah. it. So he yeah. has a deep fryer, you know, and or the cornholer, and. Yes. <laughs> Stick thrust his hand, his hand in there right. to stop it from trying to kill him. Right, See, that right. would have been great. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that would have been a nice over-the-top moment. But, you know, we got a great Bruce Campbell cameo. We got yes, a nice yes. Bruce Campbell. We got a bunch of references to Army of Darkness and Evil Dead 2. It had a lot of what you want. It's just, it was, as you say, if That's ever right. there was a film that I didn't have to tell you they didn't have a script, it's this <laughs> one. Like, yeah. no one was surprised when I said they didn't have a script. Yeah. All right. Well, so like Christopher McQuarrie shoots without a script, but I guess he's better at making it up as he goes. Well, yeah, because he's also getting to write the movies and uh what do you call it? And I think Tom Gr- Cruise is a good partner for that. Yeah. A good creative partner because Tom Cruise is so unbelievably aware. Like what you can say about Tom Cruise is there's no actor who is like more aware of how he looks on camera and how he comes across. Yeah. So he's like the perfect partner for developing set pieces for movies because Tom Cruise like somehow immediately knows how that's going to play, leading right. to but the also, greatest. But it's in terms of, like stringing these moments together, I feel yeah. like Christopher McQuarrie because he started true. as a screenwriter. Exactly. So he yeah like, he knows how has, to justify like, it. In each sense of like. Although it led to like there, 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 my favorite that. story ever from Christopher McQuarrie, which was he was like. Uh, all right, I have no idea what our ending set piece is, so I'm just going to go down to New Zealand. I'm going to hop on a helicopter. I'm just going to fly around for a weekend and see if I can come <laughs> up with something. And sitting on the tarmac, he sees a helicopter taking off carrying a cargo pouch. And he's yeah. like, okay, that's it. Got I'm done. It. <laughs> got it. I got the whole ending of our movie. I don't have to fly around anywhere. I would love to fly around in a 
helicopter New Zealand. Come he's on. Like, I know, right? right? And he's like, no, I got too much work to do. I'm going home. Just hire me a helicopter pilot who can do a cargo pouch. We got the movie. It can wait. It can wait. Take yeah. that helicopter tour. And the crazy part is, though, I'll say this, uh, the, uh, the reason it's easier for Christopher McQuarrie than something like this is because he does so much practically. You don't have to, like, when you're trying to improv something for a Marvel movie. That's true. It's all you have to, like, it's all digital. So you have to figure out, you know, space for 800 people to do the effects. Whereas Christopher McQuarrie, they're going to sweeten it digitally, but basically he just has to come up with an idea and then hire and just tell his stunt team, go and do it, and they can have it done in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. It's a much faster process than what Marvel is doing on these movies, where it's like, if you have a new idea, you're looking at three months of people sitting at computers to see if it even looks good, yeah. let alone whether you can make yeah. it, you know? So yeah, I, I think it, I think that's one of the reasons Christopher McQuarrie, and as you say, it's cause it comes from screen, he comes from a screenwriting background. And of course, Sam Raimi does too, but it's not like what we love about Sam Raimi's movies are the scripts. <laughs> you know? Right? This is true. It's not people like, oh, the clockwork plotting of Evil Dead. No, that is not why we're here. <laughs> You know? Uh, all right. So yeah. Um, I would say, can we all agree that, um, I, I think overall it's about as good as the first one, but for very different reasons. I mean, I'm having a time. I didn't, I wanted to like it more than I did. Yeah. To be, if I'm being honest. Right. Um, but at the I was entertained at the end of the day and that's really what, what it's all about. I had a good time at the movies. I don't know that it's at the tippy top of Marvel or anything like that, no. but it's a good experience. It it was good to see them flex in different directions and get more elements of horror into your mm. standard issue Marvel, Marvel film. Fair. And, yeah, yeah, because yeah, it does have a very different tone than we're used to. Definitely, and I did enjoy the brutality of yep. the. The British Museum Illuminati. The British Museum, <laughs> the British museum yeah. fight scene. <laughs> I mean, this felt like, honestly, it did feel like one of the more edgy Marvel films. And and, and let's face it, after how what, like 823 movies, I think it's about time they start kind of pushing those boundaries a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Also, Agreed. can I just say, really happy to see uh, Haley Atwell actually get to play Captain Carter in live action instead of just yes. in animated things. Mm. That made me really happy. Yep. Yeah, maybe maybe I'm a sucker for that, but that was my favorite episode of What If, and getting to see her actually put uh, on the costume and jump around. Bisect? Like even in like, like in the background, out of focus, just like give us give us that much. Well, no, but it's like that's why this thing didn't get it. They're like, uh, this film should have gotten an R. No, it shouldn't have gotten an R. If they had shown Hallie Atwell's legs standing there for two seconds and then flopping <laughs> over as blood poured out of them, yeah, then you put an R on this thing. But People they don't even show you the R-rated legs. R-rated horror, like, action movie. We've been over this. What Deadpool was all about. I know. And that movie cleaned up. Yeah. So. I know, but like, <laughs> it, this is mainstream and Marvel and they're just not willing to go it's that not far. not going to do it. But they just watch a guy's head, Steve Stoven. I'm not sure how to, what the correct. Yeah, it's like. For that. Impl- I think it was implode. Implode? Stove yeah, because it was. In. It was something like that. Well, no, because stoved in would be a hit from the outside, but it's like, it was the force from the inside that crushed his head inwards. But it sank. I don't, 
and whatever. The point is, that was hard to watch. <laughs> it was. <laughs> it was. That was bleak. And that was rough. Speaking of those, uh, props to uh, Anson Mount, who, after the critical drubbing that he received for he the- He still in- came back! Came yeah. back as Black Bolt yet again. That was Just awesome. to get killed. Yes. He's like, just, you know what? I'm I'm happy to come back. Like, yeah. that was cool of him. That was really cool. Yeah. No, I really liked that. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was for fight. I mean, he's, he doesn't have a, he has one line in the movie and he's yeah. there for a couple of seconds. But you know what? What matters is he actually came back. They wanted him back and he came back. It was a really nice was, touch. But yeah. yeah, that, that series was famously a disaster. So right. it was a big deal that he was willing to come back after, you know, his Marvel thing imploded on him. Oh, that's why they did that to his head. Wow. <laughs> ah, see what I did there? That's a, I attempt to be clever. Sorry. All right. Uh, so I guess that's that. Definitely a mixed Marvel movie, but, you know, completely worth seeing. It's not a delightful experience like the Thor, like, you know, our last Thor, and I'm sure the upcoming Thor will be. Ooh, that looks fun. I know, like, oh, maybe put that trailer at the end of the movie so it doesn't make me more excited for a movie I'm going to be watching in August than the one I'm about to see. <laughs> Did, did you all see? So you all saw it in the theater. So yeah. did it play the uh, the Avatar sequel? It did play the Avatar yes. trailer. Yeah. Uh, look, I rolled my eyes too when that started. To, when I started to hear that, and then I rewatched it. And my daughter really wanted to see it again, so yeah. we rewatched it. And uh, believe me, I will will take a dump on it just like everyone else narratively. But I'll be damned if that movie doesn't hold up from a CGI perspective. Well, but not Especially after watching the She-Hulk, uh, the She-Hulk. Yeah, that is some bad trailer. CGI in that She-Hulk trailer. But no, and the thing about, the thing about James Cameron is, like, it's because he was trying, like, the reason it's, con- the reason the CGI holds up is because he, like, you saw the amount of work he did to create a 100% coherent world. Yeah. Like every part of that world makes complete oh, yeah. visual sense with every other part of that world. So it doesn't help matter how all, you know, how old the CGI gets because it's always internally consistent. It, it, it was, it, it, I don't know. I, I felt overwhelmed, the overwhelming desire to see it when it comes out. And I yeah. would even purchase uh, 3D glasses to watch oh, it again. No. Oh. I know, I know. I'm sorry, Harrison. Avatar, I wear that like a badge of honor. So, <laughs> are we no going to do an Avatar it. one and two back to back for the show? And not. No. Okay, you she might be got, like six more. So you better be prepared for more discussions on it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like the the man knows what he's doing. Like he really does. Because yeah, at the end of the day, has there been like people joke, but has there yeah. been a bad James Cameron movie? Yeah, ever. Yeah. Or, or like, a failure of one, at least, you know? Yeah, like yeah. the man? Okay, so okay. Here's, here's the thing. Yeah. So when Avatar came out, right, everyone's sort of falling all over themselves to praise the movie, mm-hmm. and the 3D's amazing, blah, blah, blah. And James Cameron came out and said, this is on the record, that 3D is the future of storytelling. Yeah, yeah. that was real dumb. Come on, man. You can listen to our episodes. So stupid. For the record, you can listen to our episodes from when that happened. With us just screaming about how 3D is not the future, how it's the dumbest thing he's ever said, and how it's just a visual effect. And it's a perfectly good visual effect, but that's all it is. But it's a little more than a gimmick. It's just a gimmick. No matter, like, you can dress it up all you want. It's a 
gimmick at the it end. It didn't of the take day. place. In, I mean, it didn't take hold in the fifties. It didn't take hold in the eighties, and it didn't and take 2000s, hold in the two thousands. Yeah. Yes, it is the William Castle of. Uh, <laughs> right. Speaking of, I just watched Mister Sardonicus, and that's a really good movie. There, I Isn't said it? it. I didn't expect to love it, but I ended up loving Mister Sardonicus. So if you want a really good William Castle movie, check out Mr. Sardonicus. doesn't get talked about that much, but it's totes worth it. All right, so I guess right. that's that. Do we have any narcissism to watch? Nope. Rob? Read, just read reviews from filmthread.com. That's where I still plug my wares. Okay, me over at uh, uh, Hidden Object Guru YouTube channel, where I've been playing um, The Evil Within 2 at night on the streams, and I'll be talking about that when I finish the game, because it seems to be an unbelievably good game. So we'll just, uh, you'll hear about more about that in the future. Cool. Is there any other way to get in touch with us? You can visit the Avod's blog at theavod.com. You can stream all the episodes there. You can leave us a comment and tell us about you know, who you would be in the multiverse. You can send us an email at theavod.gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter if you're listening on an app, rate, or resubscribe. All right, I'm going to encourage you to do all of those things. So until next time, I've been Count Vargelon. I've been DM. I've been Blob Rector. 